calling all overwhelmed coaching and service-based entrepreneurs. Are you struggling with working in and on all the things when it comes to your business? Delegating projects to your team, struggling with apps, tools, and programs that are supposed to make you feel more productive? You are not alone. We have created this podcast for you. Tune in each week to hear how you can create structure within your business, learn when it's time to hire a team, and be the fly on the wall for the episodes when we talk with other entrepreneurs who were in this same situation, but worked through it with the help of a team. Welcome to the Business Managers Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Business Managers Podcast, and we are excited this week to have our guest, Christina Wise, with us. Christina is a real estate mogul, millionaire coach, best-selling author, and creator of several multi-million dollar businesses. Christina now teaches high-income entrepreneurs how to convert business income into personal net worth and passive income. She is a host of the Wealthy, you're not going to throw me with this, Wealthy Wealthy <laughs> podcast, author of Falling for Money, and owner of Wealthy Wealthy and Sovereignty Academy. Welcome to our show. We're uh, excited to have you here today. Oh, I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. And uh, we'll jump right into it. So you do have a lot going on. You know, you're, you've got your own podcast, your business, all of that. So tell us about your journey on how you got to where you were, um, where you are, I should say. And I should point out that you didn't necessarily skate through things growing up and into adulthood, right? It wasn't wasn't an easy, not that it wasn't an easy path, but you've worked hard to get where you are today. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, certainly. And a big part of my life, you know, just growing up was, you know, I came from some pretty rough, a pretty rough upbringing. But even in adulthood, once I grew up and started in the business and money game, and I've always been an entrepreneur, I've never had a consistent, I've never had two paychecks the same. I've never had a paycheck my entire life, like a normal paycheck ever. Yeah. And I was very entrepreneurial from a young age because we grew up so poor. I mean, I started in a travel-sized trailer home with a lot of dysfunction and alcoholism and, you know, um, lots of fights about money because we didn't have any. And, you know, many of us maybe can relate to that type of story. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have anything. I mean, it was school lunch program. I was always really skinny and people thought it was genetics. It's because I didn't eat when I went to school because I was too embarrassed and ashamed to get the free lunches, you know, so I just didn't eat. type thing. And, uh, you know, nobody, I kind of kept that as quiet as I could, but there was a lot of shame to not having money. So I I found out ways to make money from a young age because I realized like, oh, when I make money, I can buy things and I can now fit in. I can be accepted. And in life and all of life, you know, the fundamental human need is to be connected, to be accepted for who we are, to be noticed, to be included, to feel like we belong. And I never felt like I belonged. I always felt like I was the outcast. So then I noticed with this money thing at that time, if I had money, I fit in more that really, and then I got that external validation that I was missing as a kid. And so that became a pattern that then came into my adulthood. And I've always been a good income earner, but I was trapped in that mindset of, of money for external validation. I make money, I can buy things. And if I have certain things, people accept me into certain groups. So my whole life was dictated about what other people thought. And, you know, that's, and I think we all can fall, we can fall in that pattern, you know, it's kind of the cultural, you know, norm that we're in. So as a result of that, you know, I worked really hard because I was always after the chase of more money and, you know, and I was making 
some pretty good sizable failures in the meantime, because I was just going fast and burning the candle. And I missed so much of my life before I got sick because I was in that chase. I was always, always looking at the next thing out there, you know, well, this doesn't feel any different. So it must be the success at the next rung of the ladder. Well, this doesn't feel any different. It must be at the success at the mm-hmm. next rung of the ladder. And again, that just became my pattern. I had enormous success. I mean, I, I reached the height of my industry at the time and you couldn't go any higher, higher. I mean, and I was one of the few women, if not the only woman in many of those cases, being in boardrooms and advisors and technology and real estate. And, and, but I was never, I never felt any different. I, so I just kept going. And ultimately that hard work and the unsustainable lifetime lifestyle, and I'm running marathons and I'm trying to be the perfect single mother. And, 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 you know, we can all relate to that, right? We're, nope. we're trying to be perfect in all these areas and we never feel good enough. And, And so, but the thing is in all of that chase, it wasn't until I got sick and fighting for my life. Like I, I used my health to get my wealth and then I had to use all my wealth to get my health back. You know, I'm that story, but I just realized it wasn't until I was like taken out and I couldn't move. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do, I lost basically my business because I wasn't there anymore. I was out for the count. And I just, what became abundantly clear to me is I was never present I was always in the past or always in the future. I was ashamed of my past. And so I was trying to run from it as fast as possible on one hand. And then I was always in the future because the present didn't feel like I was good enough at that place. So I was always dissatisfied, never satisfied. No matter where I got, I was never satisfied. So here I was dying. And now I'm feeling like, what I call the deathbed because I couldn't leave the bed. Literally, I couldn't leave my house and just fighting, fighting, fighting and terrified. And I'm now living with all this remorse and regret that's far worse than even shame and guilt and some of these other feelings we can feel. It was just like this deep regret of, oh my God, I'm dying and I never lived. Hmm. I never lived. I always missed my life because I was never happy in the present. I was always trying to create a new future where I thought it would be better. And it was just this big realization of like, oh my God. And just realizing we all kind of get trapped in that type of lifestyle. Like it's out there somewhere that we're in the chase of an out there that's better than the here. And that becomes this belief system that somehow happiness or joy or meaning meaning or fulfillment or love or whatever it is, fill in the blank, health, you know, it's out in the future somewhere. So that was my big awakening, what I call my big awakening, where it realized, and I had, and then I was stuck with this also, this interesting polarity of um, this realization for my life or about life in general. And that on one hand, I became very good at money because I didn't have any as a kid. And then when I started making a lot of money, I found myself divorced and a single mom of two kids and I didn't have any money and I'm divorced. I lost all my possessions because, you know, that's what divorces do. And, you know, they're dysfunctional like mine was and just ugly and hateful. It's something that, you know, um, if I could do all over again, I'd want to do that part of my life very differently. But the point is that I, I found myself in the situation where, my business again was gone because I've been fighting in the stupid divorce all over, over all these stupid possessions that had no meaning getting stuck in that and the money and all the stuff. I was a primary wage earner. So when it was all said and done, I was the one that got, you know, uh, awarded about $150,000 of debt tax liens. that I didn't even know we had because I just didn't, I made the money, but I didn't pay attention to it. And I just kind of said, Hey, you take care of it. So that was my fault because I was completely terrified. of. I was great at making it. 
but I still terrified of having it. So I didn't manage the money. I didn't look at it. I just, you know, let, let my spouse at the time do all that. And he didn't know what to do any more than I knew what to do. And, you know, it wasn't due to, you know, him being intentionally bad on his part, but we had tax liens and we had credit card debt. I didn't even own a credit card. I didn't even know I could have credit card debt if I didn't own a credit card. So I guess now I have all this credit card debt. I don't have any income. I literally cannot feed my children. I cannot pay my utility bills. I'm lo- they're repossessing my car, you know, and I'm thinking, and so I'm just having this like existential crisis moved in and out of the big house in the suburbs in a teeny tiny crappy duplex, which is the only thing I could even try to afford. And my lifestyle just radically changed from something that looked really perfect and beautiful with all the things and possessions on the outside. And now I'm a nobody because now I lost all my things. And I'm down with the shame of with my children. I can't, I can't even feed them. And now I'm reminded of what my parents did. Like I'm producing the same thing for my children that I tried to run so fast from in my childhood. And here I'm recreating my entire upbringing, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how the F did I wind up here? Like, how did this happen? And I couldn't make sense of it. I just couldn't make sense. Like it makes no sense. So it was at that period of time, once I got over my pity party and looked and said, you know, there's nobody <laughs> to save me but myself, I need to figure this shit out. So I made it my personal mission outside of business and business creation and all those things you read at the beginning, which I did very, you know, did very well there in business, you know, over time. But personally, I studied this thing called money because I made it a personal promise to my children. You know, they were tiny at the time. They didn't, they didn't know this, but I made a personal promise to them that I was going to learn this money thing, that I would never put us in this position again, that I needed to learn it, that I needed to be empowered with money. I couldn't be afraid of it. There had to be, I had the will if there was a way and I was going to go learn the way. And I just made it this personal mission to learn this money thing. So in the meantime, I got really good at it. I had all this public success with my businesses, but privately, nobody knew that I was just kind of building this wealth thing, you know, and having assets and creating kind of this thing that wasn't visible to anyone because it was totally private. But what happened out of that is I did, I did, I built, you know, I built some nice stuff by that period of time in my life. And what happened is that it was, it was my money, the fact that I was good with my money and I built what I bet separate from my business, the cash, the assets, that's what saved my life. So here I was trying to reconcile this interesting notion of, well, money's super important because it saved my life. Like I literally wouldn't be here if I wouldn't have been so good with my money that I'd learned after, you know, the situation I'd created for myself before. And on the other hand, when I was sick, I gave one iota about the money. Mm -hmm. I mean, I didn't care about my success. I didn't care about my businesses. I didn't care about the possessions again that I'd acquired just for more internal versus, well, no, there's pretty external still at that time. But my point is that here I am thinking, I don't care about the money, but money is so important. So it's like money is more important than almost anything in my case has saved my life and kept my children and everything fed and things moving. And at the same time, money didn't matter. So I'm like, how does it matter, but not matter? You know? So that was like the second life moment of trying to figure out this money thing. And then the healing journey, what I felt for me, for anybody that's been sick and have, have overcome, you know, like really overcome illness to, you know, where it's, they, you think you're dying. And then all of a sudden you kind of fully get your health back a kind of a miraculous sort of way. What that was, was this whole journey of even one of the beginning stages of my 
trying to get my health back. I was still advocating now my health to all the doctors. I was going to the next doctor and the next doctor, and next doctor, desperate, save me, somebody save me, figure out what's wrong. And next thing I know, I'm on lots of, I've never been on prescriptive medication in my life. Now I'm on all these prescriptions and now I'm, nobody can figure out what's wrong. And they told me it's in my head and now I'm getting worse and worse and worse. And, um, and it wasn't until I took it all internal that I started healing like the external world, the doctors and all these things where it's going out there, like your job is to save me. It became this inner journey of like, no, I have to save myself. So it was a spiritual journey. Like my entire healing journey became this spiritual that was unbeknownst to me, this spiritual journey of learning to love myself and to get through all that shame and to work on these things and start talking to my body and healing myself and taking care of myself from the inside out, learning what love is from the inside out. And so it became this healing journey, the spiritual journey that actually ended up healing me. It was a whole heal. It was a whole spiritual process. And I didn't kind of know what spiritually was because I was just in the external go succeed and make lots of money and have lots of things game, right? There was nothing spiritual about it. Very Western. So then coming out of that too, I be, I just realized that, oh, money's a spiritual thing too. Like when we can blend the spiritual laws of money along with the very practical, pragmatic kind of, you know, uh, piece of money, how we use it day to day type thing. If I can blend these two things together, I think that's where the magic is. And so that became kind of this, final pivot in life is to figure out what those were. And that that brings us where we are today is that I really love helping those understand that money, we can believe like spirituality and money or for, you know, it's something they're, that they're disconnected. And, and when we can pull these two energies together, real magic can happen. So now I just love teaching money from a very different approach. It's an inside out approach versus go chase it, go get it, go have it. That's awesome. Yeah. Before I know Melissa has a question, but before she asks, you're good now, right? You're healthy. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Healthy, wealthy, and wise. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Healthy, wealthy. (laughs) Healthy, wealthy. Which came? That's how the brand came about. Was it's the idea that when we get out of the chase of money and the chase of things, and we bring everything inward and we bring it to the present, and we become more of attraction to these things as opposed to the pursuit of it. And we become grateful and satisfied with what we do have in the constant journey of learning and becoming more and growing and evolving and, and attracting more abundance to our lives. It's a different energy. It's a different way of living, but it's very different than what we're exposed to or what we see kind of on, you know, out in our normal environments. But Wealthy Wealthy, then the new brand that came to me out of the whole experience was, was why money? And, you know, for more of a philosophical question, and it's not money, it doesn't mean attaining things is bad, as long as they're meaningful, but it's around really what is a life of meaning, and how much does it cost to live it? Mm. And why the sake of money? Why the have of money? And so the wealth part of Wealthy Wealthy, the W-E-A-L-T-H, it's about the money piece, about creating wealth and knowing how to do that from the income creation as, as well as the asset and wealth creation that exists on the balance sheet. But for the sake of living a well life, a life of wellness, where we're ha- it's focused around meaning and joy and relationships and love and health and you know these things that bring real joy and space to our life that we can actually be more in the present moment. And money buys time, money buys space. Money is a byproduct of our personal creation of who we are and what we do. You know, money's the byproduct of that. And the byproduct of money is having time and space 
that gives us more room. Like when you guys say you take your Fridays off, you've created a situation that allows that space, right? But when we're just so strapped all the time and we don't have space, then there are no Fridays off. You know, there are no holidays. There are, but for the entrepreneur that we all are, right? We can work 24-7. And then, you know, but that becomes a stuck pattern when we don't understand kind of these fundamental laws of money that keeps us in what I call the trap. But yeah, that's the whole brand was coming out of that wellness. It's like, oh yeah. And today a good portion of my money goes towards wellness where I used to like buying a lot of shit. Now I like buying a lot of health, you know? So, you know, so it's, again, it's just a different orientation. Yeah. Yeah. So my question to you is, you know, I see a lot of times that there is a spiritual connection to money and sometimes I struggle with that. Can you just give a little insight as to how you find that, that there's a spiritual attachment to money? Yeah. I mean, my, my question would be, what's this, what's the struggle? Is it the, is it a belief? The, yeah, like spirituality and money doesn't go together. Yeah, yeah, because we're kind of taught that in a way, like through through however that that's become ingrained in our programming. So we've been programmed in a way that you know through all sorts of things. You know, biblical sometimes a lot of biblical stuff is about abundance, but sometimes yeah. we pull these things out that says, you know, money's the root of all evil or, you know, these different things where, you know, deep down kind of in our subconscious belief system programming, we just have a belief that's bad. And if we have those beliefs, then we're going to create situations in our life that keeps us to keep that true. Right. So our beliefs are our truths. And so, you know, when we can move the spirituality of money to even when I'm looking that when I'm thinking of like the spiritual law of like real abundance, which is separate from lack, lack, when we feel that we're lacking something like my life isn't good now because I'm lacking enough money. That's, for example, that's like the energy we're connected to. So in spiritual energy and these spiritual laws, the energies and frequencies where we create abundance, meaning kind of means we can't be in lack. So when we say we want abundance, this word that's a little nebulous, you know, um, whatever definition we give it to it, but we have to start reversing some of these mindsets and beliefs to really live in the in kind of the, the truth of abundance, which means we can't spiritualize, you can't heal lack and live in abundance at the same time. They're, they're opposite. So when we can start thinking, so when we can believe that there really is this abundant universe and that all possibilities exist. And when we can bring that type of energy and now we can attract, you know, whatever, you know, let's just say money in this case, if we attract money, would you agree with me that money, like a lot of money in the, in the hands of good people can do really great things as opposed to money in the hands of bad people, like they're bad people and they're good people, you know, not judgmental, like there are people that have money and they do bad things. Right. Mm -hmm. And so many of us that are good people, we have this belief system that having money and spirituality are mutually exclusive. And so we don't have the money, so we can't do the good things. So that's part of it is if we can just get back is that the universe wants good people to have good money because we're going to do good things. Don't you think the the universe would be like, don't we want all these good people to have good money? How do we help them get over all these mindsets that we don't want good people to have good money? You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of my favorite lines is the universe doesn't want to see you fail. But then on the flip side, I'm like, how is money spiritual? Like it doesn't even make sense, right? Yeah. I mean, but it's (laughs) it's so spiritual because... In spirituality itself, the highest frequencies 
for attraction to live in, let's say, a state of abundance, meaning it's a feeling of. So that means a feeling of I have more than enough or I have enough. So when we don't feel lack and we can feel enough, now it doesn't mean we're not creating more and we're not going to create more abundance and we're going to continue to grow into this next possibility or potentiality that we are and realize that over time. But when we can start sitting these energies, we're not in the chase of more because it's, it's, it's contrast with the feeling of lack currently. That's the spiritual laws are the only way to feel abundance is to feel abundant. That's, that's like a spiritual law. And the, and the vibration and the frequency, I mean, the energies, like these energies we can't see with our eyes, the, 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 the energies that create, the creation energies comes from feelings of gratitude, feelings of love, feelings of I have enough, but I'm just getting started. And the more that I do have when I have it, when I have it, it doesn't mean it has to happen tomorrow, but the more I have when I have it, the more that I can do and the more I'm going to feel abundant and that abundant energy in love and grace and compassion and empathy, but really love and gratitude, the more that my message, the more that my work, the more my love is going to radiate to others and that's going to make it worth. And the more money I have, the more time I can buy so I can write the next book or do the next podcast or spend time with my loved ones. And now they feel more love and they get to go out that spirit. That's, these are the spiritual laws. Spiritual laws is, are really all about love and gratitude in these types of energies. And so again, when we can, and then when we're very clear on the money piece, because we need money to live good lives, period, end of story. So the universe isn't saying, I want you to be poor so you can live a shitty life, you know? I mean, that's if we believe in the universe's love and gratitude in these different things, and the universe is saying, hey, you live in a world that requires money. Why would I want you not to have a bunch of it? You know, we get in the way because we put our own beliefs in there, mostly because we've been programmed somehow to have these unconscious beliefs. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the work is just you kind of reconciling this, coming to terms and just kind of getting rid of these old beliefs that are subconsciously running that's keeping us in a state of lack and this comparison and this external validation and all these things that are kind of contrary to the spiritual laws that mm -hmm. that we want to get in tune with and aligned with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Christina, how does your family feel about your newfound spirituality around money and um, abundance? Well, I mean, immediately, it was just such a shift because, you know, I kind of call it the old self and the new self. One, I had radically changed my environment. So yeah. mm -hmm. you know, that's a big thing that our environments are such a, a part. I mean, our environments, we swim in the environment we swim in. So sometimes if we're radically going to change ourselves, we radically need to change our environments, which is sometimes even people in it, you know, I mean, it's yeah. not easy to make these, yeah. these types of choices, but the old me in my old environment that I'd created around me was a little bit toxic, you know, just in the sense of the people, just the partnerships, the whole money game and business and job. I mean, it was just kind of icky in a way, you know, yeah. And also I traveled a lot. I was, like I said, I was never present. You know, I missed a lot of my kids stuff and, and I had a great relationship with my kids. I'm not going to make it sound worse than it is. Yeah. At the same time, even when I was there, I wasn't mentally present in so many cases and coming out of that now, you know, now my kids, they notice I'm present with them. You know, my friendships like, man, you're like, you're here with us before we're always looking at time. You're always running late. You're always somewhere else. That, that change in me then was it just was sense like, oh my gosh, like we loved you and all these things and you're a good person, yada, yada. But now we actually feel important to you versus, 
you know, That's so awesome. it's that feeling, yeah, that, that it was just a sense like, yeah, girlfriend, keep doing what you're doing because that feels a lot better to us. Yeah. <laughs> we loved you, but now we really love you. Exactly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. And you, obviously your health has improved and you feel much better and you must feel so much happier. Well, and that's it. At the end of the day, it really is about joy and happiness. And it doesn't mean there's not some bad moments. I don't know about you, but 2020 kicked my ass. Oh. You know I mean, holy shit. I was like, are you kidding me? Right. So it's not like you just you live in a constant state of bliss and there's no problems. Right. Or, you know, life doesn't happen. But it's just it's just knowing that it's temporary and that, you know, all right, this is different. I've got to figure this one out. And this doesn't feel pleasant. And but, you know, I know we're going to get through it and and, you know, make the choices the best that we can. And and just but just don't come from a place of lack. Don't get in the place of fear and fear. Fear is the is the kind of the underlying thing that's always deeply, deeply running. So anything we fear, whatever our thoughts are on, are what we attract. So when we have fear, we're actually attracting that what we fear the most in most cases. So if we fear not having money, we're many times attracting not having money. So a lot of it, like for me, even getting through twenty twenty, I wrote this blog article that I was kind of really proud of um, when it all when it all finished, and and I do a decent amount of writing, and I'm pretty open about these things on my blogs when I write. But I was, you know, talking about how things just. I mean, I just went through this laundry list, like this crashed and burned, this crashed and burned, this crashed and burned, this crashed and burned. I mean, it's just like my entire, you know, castle and kingdom I built was just on one big fire after all this work. And now it's burning down in 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell the story how my, my personal coach was, you know, when I met with them and gave him a report, he's like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh my God, like, I'm just so amazing. Life is so good. And, and, but then he said, but I remember some of the things you told me about what the problems you were handling in 2020. You're like, how'd you make it through that? And so, you know, I kind of tell this story in my blog, but at the end of the day, I said, but what was, no matter how bad it got in 2020 for me, what, what is really proud of and looking back and reflecting on it is one coming out of that. It was the best thing that ever happened to me as hard as it was. And I think I've heard this with many people. So it just gave me the white space. I just had to reinvent everything burned down. So I had it, it gave mm-hmm. me the opportunity to completely build from scratch. You guys too, right? Didn't we all reinvent and pivot and come up? And the creation betters now than it was like when it seemed to be working before. So it gave us kind of this opportunity and space to, to make things different. So coming out of that, it's like all my stuff, my businesses, my net worth. I mean, everything's so much better than it's ever been coming out of that kind of horrific experience, if you will. But I said, out of all that, even though there were some rough days, <laughs> some heavy days, some days where I didn't like how the hell I'm going to get myself out of bed today type moments, I was never afraid. I just knew it was going to work out. I just knew as long as I just kind of went to source and made the best decisions I could and just control what I could control, let go of everything else and just not be, just not be afraid, not be afraid of losing everything, not be afraid of this, not be afraid of that. And just, just again, go with love and faith and all right, we've got this. And in reflection, that's what, what I really put in. It's like, it's probably the first time in my life ever. It was kind of my, a graduation moment for me in a way that it was the first time in my life ever where I just didn't have fear, you know, like that. I don't know how that kind of evaporated and disappeared, but it's like, whoa, it wasn't there. And I really fundamentally believe it was, that was a piece of just staying out of fear and staying in these kind of spiritual, mm-hmm. you know, and my spiritual practice of meditation, these different things of staying, you know, just staying connected that 
enabled me to navigate navigate through that as as well as I did. You know, and I give a lot of credit to to Source and Universe for, for you know for helping that navigation because what do I know? Right. But anyway, again, that the fear is something for us to look at to really look at these these program beliefs. Is when it comes around money, it's a big part of the work that I do because we we're programmed with our unconscious beliefs until we become aware of them and then can choose different to replace them with beliefs because beliefs are truths. We believe them to be true, so they have to be true. Um, is how things play out. So, yeah, it's just kind of looking at where's fear running my life and then how can I, you know, what, how to become aware of that and, and what can I do to, to live more out of fear and more into the what's possible. Right. I don't know about you, but when I was, have been living my life, I didn't think I was going to live through a global pandemic. And it's like, if we can make it through a global pandemic, you know, like we, we're going to be, I feel like we're all invincible at this point, not invincible, obviously, but we've made it through something yeah. that not many Bigger people than ourselves. Yeah. It's like, and we launched February 1st, 2020. Oh That's, my goodness. I know. <laughs> we were like, yes. Yeah. So right. we we're we right no there idea. with you. Like we, oh, it, but it, it, yeah, we feel it the same. What like you're it was capable of what you're capable of. Is right. Like, look at what we're capable of. Look what we made it through. Yeah. We're still standing like, yeah, yeah, it's worse. Yeah, yeah we're worse. Exactly. Up, you know, right. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, and you, you even talk about pivoting just a little bit. You talk about how earning more money isn't even the fastest way to wealth. Like it's not, it's not all about the money at the end of the day. What, what do you mean by that? That earning, you know, earning money isn't the fastest way to to wealth is it all the spiritual part is that what you kind of reference in that or no it's not all spiritual like the in the manifestation of money when we're manifesting meaning we're attracting it we're creating it it becomes magic because but we have to get out of the chase of it yeah but that's really hard because we're like well what do you mean when you say these things and you know it takes a while just a little bit of kind of learning to try to to, to get to the place of understanding it's like oh now i get it um, but again, it's so contrary to the way mm -hmm. money operates with with everyone, how we see it until we learn a very radically different way to, to approach it and be with it. But money, again, money rests on these spiritual concepts and laws and principles that we can't see, but it's very practical. So it's this combination of just understanding the more we understand about the spiritual laws. And once we look at these beliefs where we're stuck and da, 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 and now we understand pragmatically what we need to do with our money so that it starts working because money it's math. I mean, there's certain things have to work a certain way to make sure they work out the way that we want to work out. But very few people grew up with great parents that taught them about money that had money figured out, figured out themselves. Very few mm -hmm. combined with the fact that because of that, we've been pre-programmed that our beliefs around money really are stuck from when we we're seven years old. <laughs> And we don't know what to do because nobody taught us money is a life skill, but I didn't learn it in school. I have an accounting, I have an accounting and finance degree. And I don't know, I didn't know jack squat about money right. after graduating from college, right? Like money's not taught, even when we think it's taught in accounting. It should be. It's, it's not taught. So we're most all of us, we're living, working our asses off trying to make money, pay our bills, be good people take care of our children, have married, whatever the case is. And we're completely ignorant when it comes to money, because what's obvious about money means we can make it and spend it. 
What we're not aware of is what we don't know, don't know. And there's so much that we need to know pragmatically, not just spiritually, about money that if we're living in a land of ignorance, we're just going to self-sabotage unknowingly. Mm -hmm. It's like not knowing, you know, it's like looking, it's like, it's why we don't let our children that are under, you know, a certain age walk off, you know, walk by themselves on a, on a 20 story building that doesn't have a, a rail around it or something. So oh, they're going to be like, Yahoo, that looks amazing. Let's go <laughs> look out there. And then, you know, kaplat because the dono dono is what's going to kill them. So we know that. So we protect our children that way because they don't have enough information to know you don't walk off the edge of a 20 story building because gravity's laws exist, even though you can't see them. <laughs> So money's laws exist, even though we can't see them, but we're all doing that same thing. We're walking off that edge of the side of the building without knowing it. And we just keep winding up in a situation that no matter how hard we work or how much money we make, we don't feel anything different. And we're still in that same month to month cycle trying to do the next launch or create the next business or get a pay raise or or do a side hustle to try to get out of this month to month feeling like, God bless, it's got to change at some point. I just, Mm -hmm. I can't work any harder. Right. But there's a reason why there's, I mean, it's all explainable. I can, can draw it on a screen. I can draw it out. Like, this is why you feel this way. So when you can, now when we can see it with symbols or frameworks or, you know, that type of thing, now it's like, Oh, that's what I couldn't see that's invisible like gravity until we can put it in a way that we can see it and then we can understand it. But my point is when I say that is that there's something called Parkinson's law. It's it's mm-hmm. a law and Parkinson's law. There's Parkinson's law of productivity, but there's a Parkinson's law of money as well. And Parkinson's law is kind of twofold. And the first part of it says the expenses will always rise to match income. So what I mean by law means it's the truth, right? So we let's talk truth. And that's a lot of what I do is like, you know, you're not, a lot of you might not like what I have to say, because I'm just going to tell the truth and, you know, at least my truth. And I've done a lot of study on this, but, you know, it's the truth. Like, you know, we can, we can lie, we can lie to ourselves about all sorts of things, right? We do all do that. But the, if it's a truth, meaning it's kind of an, a, a law, unwritten law that we can't see that before we know about it, we are all kind of underneath this, we're, we're a victim to this law because we don't even know it because we don't even know it exists. But when Parkinson's law says expenses will always rise much income, we think that the way to, the way to solve all my money problems is to make more money. But what we don't know is Parkinson's law. So we go from, we think, oh, we're starting out of college or something. We're making 50,000 a year and, you know, or 30,000, whatever the number is. And we're struggling and we're eating rice and beans. And it's just like, it must be (laughs) $50,000. So kind of get to the 50 and that's doing things. Well, this doesn't feel very good. So it must be a hundred thousand dollars. And so you go from 50 to a hundred, but does life stay the same? Do you go to the same restaurants at a hundred thousand dollars? Do you drive the same car at a hundred thousand dollars? Do you stay in the same apartment at a hundred thousand dollars? No. Because with each kind of pay raise, it's a different social class. And you and biology says we're going to want to fit in. We're going to want to do what everybody mm-hmm. else is doing. And again, this is invisible. We don't know where we're doing it. You know, it's just we're, we're swimming and, you know, the, the lake, like the other fish swim. We don't even know that we're in this herd mentality. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's completely invisible. It's a, we have no awareness of this. So what happens, even now we're making 100, our lifestyle causes 100. It feels exact. It feels 
the exact same way of making 50,000 and spending 50,000. It feels the same because it is the same because we're still month to month. We're still have to use every dollar that we spend to pay that month's bills or, you know, on an annualized basis. So it's the same feeling. So now we're like, oh my God, this hundred thousand, it's not here. It must be a quarter million dollars. So man, let's just start the new business or let's just do whatever we can do. It must be 250. That must be the number. My friends who make 250, they look, they seem they look like, happy. <laughs> they look happy. So now what happens? Do you, do you drive the same car at a hundred thousand, 150? Do you stay in the same apartment? Do you do the same restaurants? Do you stay at the same vacations? And just, so it's, it's called expense creep. It's invisible. And next thing we know, we're going out with this group of friends, da, da, da. And that's what Parkinson's law is. And then uh, kind of the corollary to that, it says, what was, once a, what was once a luxury becomes a necessity. Mm. So now it's, a, before it would have been like, oh my God, I drive a, you know, I drive a Honda. Now you're driving the BMW, right? That used to be a luxury, but now we drive the BMW every day, day in, day out. Does it feel like a luxury anymore? No, it just feels like a necessity. So now let's just say COVID hits and we need to take our expenses down a little bit. Do we want to go back down to the Honda? <laughs> we want to go back to, you know, we don't want to go back, right? Especially as entrepreneurs, we're very variable, so our, our expenses need to be, you know, then there needs to be a margin, but our expenses need to float as our income floats up and down. Mm. But we look at income. So the way to get rich is all through expenses. It's not through income because it's, to get rich and to get rich, you have to have a margin between income and expenses. So you always start with expenses and now you need to know if this is the cost of your lifestyle you need to make at least 20% more than that lifestyle after taxes to be able to make sure you have the margin that produces that gap over time that that's, that margin is what makes you rich. But it's all through expenses, yet everybody's focused on income. Mm -hmm. But we've been taught to focus this way, spend more money mm -hmm. to make more money. Now you're an entrepreneur and you keep thinking, okay, I must have to spend more money to make more money. And now you're not paying yourself because you're wait, waiting, trying to invest in the next thing in the business, which is going to be the magic penny or the next thing. The next thing you're just right. You're just writing check after check after check. You're never making more money. I'll try to grow the business to make more money. And business is the same. Wealth in your business is created from expenses first. You look at expenses and you always have a margin. These are these are money principles. Mm -hmm. You can't defy them, mm. but we don't know they exist. And so that's what I teach with Sovereignty Academy and my money school is these are the things we're never taught. They're truths. You don't know them. And if you don't know them, you're going to self-sabotage and kind of kill any chance you have at wealth, regardless of how much money you make, regardless of how hard you work. And you get in this pattern until you wake up one day at a certain age and think, I just thought it would feel different by now. Mm -hmm. I just thought I would be out of this day-to-day -day stress of trying to figure out. And the more that your lifestyle costs and the more luxurious is, you know, measured by how much income you make. One, you don't want to go down like I just mentioned, but that means you have to go to work the next month or the next day or the next year to just keep up the cost of that lifestyle. Yeah. And that's what most people are doing. Their hard work is just to keep up with the lifestyle they've created for themselves, the cost of that lifestyle, without knowing that they're burning any chance to build wealth, which is used through time called compound interest. And they're not taking advantage of the margin because they're spending everything they make. So that's not their spiritual laws written in there, but they're mm -hmm. mostly money laws and principles that we're, we're ignorant of that once we learn these things and we just adjust things and we, but it's like, and here's the thing, everything that we've been taught about money, it's like the very opposite is true. So what we're doing and what we think we know, we're trying to do right. We're doing the exact thing wrong to get 
what we want with sovereignty and freedom and space and time and, you know, leverage and, you know, to the, you know, ability to, to enjoy the byproduct of what we offer in the world, which is called money. Money is just a byproduct of our offer, of our value, mm-hmm. of what we're offering in the world. And then it's up to us to manage that byproduct that we get back in this reciprocal nature of, you know, you guys with the VAs and that you're like helping business owners and entrepreneurs really in this very important part of the business, which we all need assistance and help and projects. And, you know, we want to be creating, we don't want to be managing all this right. stuff, trying to figure out how to hire and, and doing these things. So you have this brilliant offer out in the world that, that other business owners need, so They don't have to worry about that. And what they give, what the way to say thank you is, oh my God, thank you. You just made my life so much easier. You just helped my business and I can make more money. Now I don't have to worry about that. And as a way to say thank you, I'm going to pay you. Mm-hmm. That reciprocal nature. So money is just an exchange of value. It's a thank you. It's a reciprocity. You've made my life better. And uh, the exchange for that comes in the form of money. It's a transaction. And that's yeah. all money is. If it's a value exchange, it's just we're not bartering. Right. You know, we're just using money in, as an exchange for value and gratitude and appreciation. So now once we have that money in our hands, it's our responsibility mm. for how we manage it. And if we manage it poorly, we'll be stuck to the month to month for the rest of our lives. If we if we manage it well, we create wealth and sovereignty and freedom over time. And knowing when we have the trajectory and we know where we want to go and how much money is enough, and we have a plan for how we're going to get, you know, move towards that direction. Now we don't have to stress about any money anymore because now it's math and it becomes predictable. Now we're even while we're in the in the time of, of growing our wealth and the creation, we don't have to stress about it anymore because we know we have the margins now. We know what our expenses are. We know kind of these numbers. We know we're on track. And as long as we stay on track, it's predictable because mm-hmm. it's all it's all can put in a spreadsheet. So now I don't have to worry about money more because it's predictable. As long as I stay on this path and on track and I know my numbers and I'm doing kind of fun following these spiritual and, and you know fundamental laws of money. We don't have to worry anymore. We know it's all going to work out come, you know, the next pandemic that might throw us all back. And then we'll then we'll figure that one out next time, too. Right. <laughs> Look at how far you have come from little Christina, you yeah. know, like, seriously, that's that's awesome that you've got you've grew up that way and you're able to turn that all around. And well, I just had a huge aha moment, too, like the spreadsheet. Utilize the spreadsheet almost, and I, it was one of our questions. Like, how do you recommend treating your business, your household finances, like a business? You use that same spreadsheet, mm. exactly the same. Even for business owners, it's kind of funny that you know, in business, we're after the money called revenue and doing these things, but we don't track our money, we don't know our burn rates, we don't know our trajectories. We're spending, we're not managing the expenses, we're throwing money trying to buy the next piece of revenue. Again, that will just keep us stuck in our business, but we're not paying ourselves enough because. Again, we're going against this fundamental laws. But in the personal side, we're, our business is meant to make income called profit. That's where we pay ourselves. So the more profit we are, the more income we can pay ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that, But our, our business is simply an income generating machine. And the more it's a machine and it's well operated, and we do that and we know our numbers and we're, it's about profit. It's about bottom, not, not top line. And we start with our profit margin, our profit first the profit margin. And then we'd add our expenses onto that. And then we add a revenue. Then we figure out how much revenue we use. So we start from the bottom up. You never stop for the top down. Mm. But everything we do is started from the top down. But now when we move our money to the household, what I teach is 
we need, so the thing with what I'm saying with entrepreneurs is like, they're really focused on top line and sales and these things, but they're still afraid of the money. They're like, I don't have time to worry about this. I don't have time to work with you, Christina, to really figure out how to really how to do my money in my business, because I need to go make a lot of money first. It's like, no, if you work with me first, you're not going to have to worry about these things. But you know, that's, that's the objection I get all the time. Right. It's just laughable. I was telling a story out. It happened just last night. In our household, I teach the same thing. It's like you treat your household as a business. Your business business is a business of making profit. That's how, that's a sign of a successful business owner. You have a nice, sustainable profit. That's the profit that that's enough to pay yourself, you know, to run the household that you want. Your your household business that you operate just the same. We're looking at financials and having this really nice, easy spreadsheet according to very specific margins we need to hit all these buckets, all these, all these metrics that we want to have enough money, like have great money to spend on a lifestyle today while not sacrificing, you know, our future self. But it's operating your household as a business of wealth creation. Your business business is a business of income creation. Your household is a business of wealth creation. You create wealth in your household, not your business. Yet we're so focused on our business. Mm. If a business, if I just make enough money, all of this going to work out. And that's the big fat lie. That was like a thank you. It's so true. Just <laughs> that was amazing. You know, even with my book, when I said, you know, the the name was called Falling for Money. And I actually got a lot of kind of um negative, like you can't call a book falling for money. Like you, it's bad to love money and you know, love affair. Cause I call it, you know, it's a romance novel for your bank account. And, and it's like, no spiritual law is love. Mm-hmm. If we love our money in a healthy, because would you all agree that, you know, you can be in a love relationship and it can be an unhealthy love relationship, dysfunctional yeah. and unhealthy, or it can be a healthy functional love relationship. Yes. Right. Like you can yeah. be in, you can be in a love relationship, marriage, partnership, whatever you want to call it. That's totally healthy. That fulfills both people deeply and equally. And, you know, and they love being in love and they love being, you know, and they put the relationship, you know, as, as something that's really important to take care of. It's sacred. You know, they spend a lot of time just really nurturing and nourishing that relationship because it feels so good to be in it. They wouldn't want it to go away as opposed to an unhealthy relationship that's maybe, you know, based on a lot of neglect or, you know, just fill in the blank. So falling for money is about our relationship with money. I mean, when we fall in love with the relationship, not necessarily the money itself, right? but when we fall in love with what money can do for us, for who we love, for whatever we want, the goodness we want to do with our money for our lives and other lives. It's the relationship. When we have a healthy relationship with our money, when we're grateful for money, we have that we do have versus always being dissatisfied for the lack of what we don't have. When we look at every dollar and we say, thank you so much, because this dollar allows me to have this amazing thing called electricity. And wow, this money allows us to have food on the table. And wow, this money allows us to, you know, put our children through school. Like, thank you, money. Thank you. I'm just so grateful for our relationship. I'm just, I just, you know, and we honor it. We hold that relationship sacred. So it's not money so much in the sense like, oh, you love your money. Like, and because that can be, then we have these connotations of greed. And again, these whole old belief systems come up. But we have this very nurturing, respectful, loving, kind, respectful. I love you. I respect you. I'm so grateful for the good that you can do. And, and, and keep nourishing that types of relationship. It's amazing how the money, just like a love relationship. It's like, I just want to keep coming to you because you're just so good to be back, you know? 
So it's just a, a big piece of this is just knowing that if we want to have money, we really have to have a good relationship with it. Hmm. Absolutely. I like the title. So I like boo, the title too. Boo to them. I say <laughs> boo to them. <laughs> so how do you how can people work with you? How do you work with clients generally? What I do, oh, so I, what I was gonna say to that, one final piece and I'll yeah, yeah. The question just um you know, I tell stories. I'm like, I had a point. What was the point of that story? <laughs> <laughs> but especially for women, and I think, you know, a lot of your listeners are, are women, you know, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, business owners. And again, so we, we're all programmed until we are aware of our programs and we change to reprogram. And you think where we come from as women, I mean, it's, it's just been, you know, a handful of decades before women could have, their, could have their own checkbook, right? And then we've been romanticized where, you know, with, with uh, the Disney movies and, yeah. you know, and, and these different things. But that's deeply embedded programming, not to mention we're just maybe a generation out of, you know, maybe our mothers and maybe yeah. our mother's mothers really could be sovereign with their money and have it and make enough of it. And, maybe just one generation out, like my daughter now has two, but mine, like my mother struggled with money. She really mm -hmm. needed a man in her life to be able to pay the bills and do the things and no man mean no money. So she's on to the next man, you know? Mm -hmm. And you know that I got to grow up with that type of pattern as a kid and she was just doing the best she could do, but that's mm -hmm. all her really option was, was like to find the next man that had the money to be able to take care of her children, to do the different things she was trying to do as a mother. So see, even that's what I witnessed as a child. And many of us have witnessed that. But the point is that, you know, this isn't about inequality or gender things like that. I don't mean that at all. I mean, I've played well as a woman in the game and had and made every opportunity. So I'm not making it about that way. I'm just saying, but the deep embedded programming for us to work on is that we've, we've seen these things. And so you know, even if we make it, we, we just, we've been told stories. We're not good at math. Boys are good at math. Um, so this money thing is math. So maybe I should just let the accountants <laughs> do it. Like the man in my life do it or the accountant man in my life or somebody over there that's better at money or math or money that I am. A belief that, oh, money is not a good thing or money's not for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not in it for the money. Do you know how many women I hear say, well, I'm not doing it for the yeah. money. Right. Absolutely. You know, then yeah. why are you doing it? Then, you know, just... Volunteer. So it's like, yeah, exactly. Volunteer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so that, so, but a lot of these, it's just come, we just not, we've not looked at these things yet. And so I really invite women to want to have a desire and desire is a really powerful word. Have the desire to want to learn money. This life skill changes everything. It can change generations. Like I can, I completely changed the, gen my whole family was in a poverty lineage from, you know, time all the way back. I changed that. My kids won't be there. Right? right. So learning this has completely changed the trajectory of my lineage where my kids don't have to go down that path anymore. Right. So that's what we can do as mothers. We can change these things and money's not hard. Like when I take people through my programs, my work, they're like, you mean I've been terrified of this or scared of it or felt I wasn't smart enough or felt I wasn't good with money or I suck at math or whatever. And we don't even know we believe these things, mm -hmm. right? Until we start to uncover them. Yeah. You mean I've been terrified of this thing and I've been abdicating this and giving my money or just putting it off and not doing this, just saying, if I work enough hard, the money's going to work itself out. And it's really this easy. That's kind of the big thing. Like 
it's this easy. I'm like, yeah, it's really this easy, right? So I say that because I'm living proof Mm -hmm. (laughs) based on my life and where I've come from. I mean, I know we all hear this, but I'm like, if I've done it, I swear to God, it's not that difficult. I am not that smart. I started in a trailing home and went to, I had a really terrible upbringing in my education, right? I mean, it was like a teeny tiny town that when I came at, when I finally got myself to college and kind of got out into the real world, this is what I heard all the time. Did you grow up in a bread box? Like <laughs> you should you should know more, but it wasn't an insult so much. Like I was that naive. Yeah. I didn't really have, I just had such a poor education and just, you know, kind of, I just didn't know anything. So, I mean, this is a kid that knew nothing, really. Had well, a lot of now. passion. But so my point is it's available to everyone. And now yeah. I teach exactly what I do. So it just takes all the guesswork out of it. But I just yeah. invite, like, if there's a story in there to put it off or whatever that is, there's, no, in my opinion, and I study health, I study money. I mean, I'm a studier. I mean, I'm all about making life great. My belief is, is there's not, a more important skill that transcends all other categories of life when you get really confident with money and even the confidence with money, you know, you can do this and I've got this and I've got this money thing figured out and I can do this. And I'm a single woman. I've, I've, I'm, you know, I'm an example. Like I didn't marry money. I didn't, I didn't, you know, inherit money. Like this is Christina's creation after so many effing mistakes. I've lost everything more than once. So I want to save all the people from making my dumbass mistakes right. just through the trial and error method. But that's just it. It's like, it really is available to everyone if we desire it and we want it. And we will take a little time to learn it. And just a little time to learn this and learn these principles and apply them will change not the rest of just our life, but the lives of everybody around us. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to say you're incredibly brave. You're incredibly smart. And I don't think that you came from a bread box. No, <laughs> so I I am oh, incredibly you. impressed by you. So thank Seriously. You. It's, a, it's a lot of life stories, a life study after that. But what I do is I, I actually, uh, I do a lot of writing and I have a podcast. So I'm, I'm sharing all this stuff with whoever wants to listen yep. um, ad nauseum. I mean, I'm not short of any content I'm putting out on a very regular basis, but those, when people are ready to study, typically I just have them set up a 45 minute call with me. I'll listen to their money story. I'll be listening for the gaps and, um, and, you know, I'm, most of them are almost the same for all of us, you know, because mm-hmm. we all live in the, the same world one way or another. And then we just talk through those and that those that are interested, I have a money school that's called Sovereignty Academy. And that's where I teach the exact methodology for how to build wealth, get rich, uh, move towards your trajectory of financial freedom and sovereignty, know your numbers, put it all in place, understand these spiritual and and money laws. And once you know all that in 12 weeks, your money problems are solved. Like I'm serious. That's awesome. So that's what I do. And it's my money school. It's everything we should have learned in school about money, but they didn't offer that class. <laughs> I'll and, take sewing and, instead. Yeah, we learned sewing. Exactly. Remember <laughs> sewing and home ec? <laughs> right. Oh my God. And my mother still has my ceramics. Yeah, yeah, around my and it's like not even, it's all like crooked and stuff. Right. <laughs> Money would have been better. Yes. Yes. Money would have been a lot better. Exactly. So that's what I do. If anybody's interested, you can just um, set up a call. Go to fallingformoney.com. And um, there's some freebies there to to read my book. If you want to read my book for free and a couple of downloads and you can sign up for for just a consulting call. And we'll see if if I get something to help. That's awesome. And are you on social media or anything where people can find you actively or... At Christina Wise, mostly Instagram. I'm not a yep. big social media person, but I mean, Google, you can find me anywhere, but Wealthy Wealthy Podcast, at Christina Wise, Facebook, Instagram, 
all, all the things. We'll make it easy, Father. We'll right. put it all in the show notes. Awesome. And uh, yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to go find that blog post too, the 2021 that you did. And we'll drop that in the show notes too, because I want to read that. Um, that one's that's at sovereigntyacademy.com forward slash blog. And I think the title is something like the difference a year makes May 2020 to May 2021. <sighs> awesome. Yeah, when you read it, you're going to be like, holy shit. I mean, yeah. <laughs> she wasn't joking. Right. Um, yeah. Well, they did call 2020 a dumpster fire. So it's yeah, true. Yeah. Well, we all made it through it. So we here did. we are. did. We all had smiles on our faces. And, I know. You know, Who laughing. Knew? And, uh, right. Well, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show. This was there's a lot, you know, a lot of nuggets in here for people. And I think they're going to find it very valuable. I know we did um, clearly by Melissa's head exploding halfway through the episode. So <laughs> you guys are awesome. Well, thank, thank you so you. much. This was yeah. a good conversation. Thank you so much. And everybody uh, tune in next week. Who knows what's going to happen? You just never know. That's what me and Melissa like to say. Check us out on our Facebook group, the Business Managers Podcast. We put our freebies in there and catch us next week. And, and thanks for listening and tell your friends. Bye. Bye. Did you enjoy today's episode? If you did, help us grow with a follow, rate, and review. Check us out online at mergioenterprises.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Mergio Enterprises. See you next week and tell your friends.